Toby, and uh, how good to see you. It's uh, great to see faces here at the King Centre, and great you can join us at home or wherever you are as well as we open God's Word together. Um, let me start with a question. I wonder if you've discovered the joy of generous giving. I wonder if you've discovered the joy of generous giving. Actually, I know many of you have for reasons I will share in just a moment, but uh, let me just say that scientists have discovered this, psychologists have discovered this. Listen to this one extract from a, a, a psychology journal. It says, people adapt, this is their finding, that people adapt to repeated getting. The happiness we feel from eating the same food, from earning the same income, and from many other experiences quickly decreases as repeated exposure to identical source of happiness increases. But, they go on, happy, the happiness we get from giving appears to sustain itself. The happiness we get from giving away appears to carry on. It doesn't decrease in the same way that getting, the joy of getting kind of decreases. We kind of, we, we get something and we, of course that makes, that's, that's enjoyable experience. But as it's repeated, our joy goes down. That's not the case they found with giving away. Giving away the second time and the third time and the fourth time brings just as much happiness as the first time. Now, actually, I, as I say, I know many have already discovered this. It's just a real blessing to know that God's provision to us uh, as a church through this season, through this time, has been wonderfully flowing out to others and to those who need it. Regular giving has gone up consistently since lockdown. I think something like 13% up this last uh, few months. If you remember, we gave to the RM Christmas Appeal a little while back, and something like over £20,000 was given by, by the church family here. This is a real a testimony to to the grace of God amongst us and to generous giving working out through us. And more recently, if you remember, we kind of shared a little bit, only just a little bit here and there about our pay it forward scheme where, where we could just, I mean, we're, we're, we're providing all kinds of meals through King's Kitchen. But we thought it was a great idea if maybe one or two, as God put it on the heart, just gave, gave money so that we could give food to those who need it kind of as and when and provide for those in need, perhaps uh, around us. And well, that, at the moment, that stands about 5,000 pounds in, in, that, in that pot. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. That, that testifies to, to the grace of God amongst us and to some amazing generous giving that's going on. And that many have discovered the joy of generous giving, that you give, and it's, there's a joy that comes in it, and you give again, and there's a joy that comes again. Many have discovered the truth that Winston Churchill so eloquently put, him, put it, as he, as he often does with his way with words. He says, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Obviously, we need food and resources, and we need, we need money to buy these things and to, to have shelter and so on. That's, a, that's fine. That's just the way things work. But then once you've got those things, what are you living for? What is the point of your life? Jesus said it's better to give than receive. He said life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. He says you're not going to experience life if you just keep accumulating stuff. That's not the point of life. And he taught his followers that actually we find our lives by giving it away for his sake. See, there's a reason for this mysterious connection between generous giving 
and joyful living. There's a reason why these two things are linked together. And it's that we were made in the image of a God who loves to give generously. It's his nature to give, and we're made to be like him. And when we, when we give like he gives, we, we come into this joy that is in the very heart of God. Well, we're currently, well, just finishing, really, our series as we read through the, the book of, uh, um, of Philippians. And it's, it's Paul's letter to the church in Philippi uh, to, to speak to them, to encourage them. Actually, I think he's, he's in jail as he does so. Yet it's a letter so filled with joy and encouragement. And he's just written about his contentment in all circumstances, even where he is right now in prison. But he, he goes on uh, to them. In, uh, we're starting here in verse 14 of uh, chapter 4. He says, so he's, yeah, he says, I've, I've learned the, 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 to be content in all circumstances, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I uh, left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. And and not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus." To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he closes, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord, Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. See, Paul enjoyed a very special relationship with this church here in Philippi. In the past, they'd supported him financially uh, in his mission, and now he was in prison. They sent supplies to him to, to encourage him, to help him. They sent gifts. And from this really helpful passage, I just want to draw out four points that will help us, encourage us, release us even further into the joy of generous giving. So first point here I want to uh, just draw out is that generous giving points us to God's grace. It points us to God's grace. And it does so in this uh, little verse here, and yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. It was kind of you to share in my trouble. It's in verse 14 here. The Philippians didn't have to give Paul anything. There was no compulsion. They didn't feel that they ought to give him anything. He wasn't even kind of demanding anything from them. That wasn't his heart at all. But yet they wanted to give to him. They gave without compulsion from their heart. They, they, they wanted to, to be a part of what he was doing. They, they wanted to share his trouble. They weren't just kind of with him in the good times and just enjoying, yeah, this is going really, really well. They wanted to share in his trouble, and that's an indication of, of God-like, generous giving. There's a wonderful freedom here. They wanted to share in his trouble, and this, this is grace giving. This is grace giving. Giving. And it's so glorious because, because this is how God gives to us. This is what he's like. Not under compulsion, doesn't, doesn't have, he doesn't feel that he ought to, but there's a wonderful freedom in his giving where he loves to give to us. He enjoys giving to us. In fact, in Jesus, supremely, he shares our trouble. He shares our trouble. 
In fact, he takes all the trouble that our sin and rebellion has caused, he takes it upon himself on the cross. In the person of Jesus, he, he takes our trouble. He experiences the, the full weight of the, the damage that our sin has done, the, 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 the rip that has occurred in our relationship with God. And Jesus experiences that himself. He takes on himself the punishment that our sins deserve. He's not only sharing in our trouble, but he's taking our trouble completely on himself and owning it and bearing the consequences of it. And for free, because he wants to, without compulsion. This is what God is like. And so when we give like God gives, of course, we enter into this wonderful joy that God has. As we receive God's grace, God releases us to reveal in our giving what he is like so that other people can just get a taster, an inkling of this wonderful God that we have come to know who loves to give. Paul says to the church in Corinth when he, he speaks to them about their giving, he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver because this is how God gives He's not under compulsion, and he gives from his heart, which I think speaks about he gives from his nature, who he is. And now he has uh, uh, brought us into this wonderful joy of giving and, and transformed us and changed us by his grace. And we are released to give out of our new nature, new creations in Christ to be like him, image bearers, restored to be image bearers, broken and in in many ways still, but this new creation coming through and we can give like God gives, freely without compulsion, what we've decided in our heart to give, not what someone else thinks we ought to give, but there's something that's been written on our hearts, uh, which is of God. And of course, this passage ends, doesn't it, wonderfully with... um, uh, that, uh, that, that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Again, testifying to the grace of God. And we've heard many times already today uh, from, uh, from Toby and, and Andy just encouraging us about the grace of God in giving his son. And Simon and the, and the guys from Mark Cross just reminding us that God gives us, uh, he gives to us uh, eternal life. And he gives to us freely not because we deserve it, but because he's decided in his heart and he loves us and he wants to bless us. It's a joy in giving. So that's the first thing. It points to God's grace. Generous giving points to the grace of God. But the second liberating truth in this passage is that giving is good for us. And I've kind of already touched on this in, in my introduction, that giving is actually good for us. And we're into verse 17 now. Listen to what Paul says. He says, Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He, he wasn't asking them to, to give to him that he might benefit, but he delighted to see their giving because he knew it was for their benefit. Well, this is brilliant. Paul lived for, for, for their progress and joy in the faith, as we read in kind of the, the first bit of his letter. That's what he lived for. And so he wanted, he was delighted to see something in their giving that would be to their credit, that would benefit them. His heart leapt as he saw their giving, not just for his personal benefit, but for the benefit that would come to them. It's interesting, isn't it, the link between our progress in the faith and our joy in the faith as well, as we become more like uh, more like God in, in our character, in our nature. We enter into more of the joy that God has in giving away. As we come to know and receive God's grace to us in Jesus, we are freed to be more generous to others 
and to share even more in God's joy in giving and uh, generosity. I think it was Jonathan Edwards, a kind of a, a theologian from a long time ago, talked about uh, the, the expansion of our capacity for joy in God. As we follow God, as we, we receive the grace of God, but not only receive it, as we give it out, as we live for God, as we live for him, we, 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 our capacity for our joy in God, our capacity for joy is expanded. Now, I'm, I just want to say that there is a, a future aspect to this and a present aspect of this. And in all that we're saying about joy, we mustn't gloss over the reality. Actually, there's a pain in giving as well. There is a loss that we experience now as we give, as we make choices to follow Jesus, as we make choices to bless others and not just hold on to everything for ourselves. There is a pain that's also associated with giving in the present and for a short time. We do experience the joy in God as we give, but it's often mixed with an experience of loss as well. And I want to say and remind us that there is a future fullness of reward that is coming where God will make sure that no one has gone short because they have given self-sacrificially right now. A 30-fold, 40-fold, a 100-fold. These are the kind of figures that Jesus talks about in terms of get, we will get back what we've given and more as God fills our, fills our joy in him to full capacity. We think about Jesus, of course. He, he went to the cross for the joy set before him. There was pain, but there was an expectation of joy as he saw the future where he would be united to his bride, the church. That's you and me. And there will be a wonderful shared joy between us and him. Jesus talks about, he says, I want my joy to be in you. He wanted this union with, with his people, the people of God, that they would know together as wonderful fullness of joy. So there is a now aspect, but there is a, a future aspect to this, and we give in faith, trusting that uh, God will fill our capacity, increase our capacity for joy, even now and in the future. And thirdly, we're now into verse 18. We see that giving is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Giving, generous giving, generous, joy-filled giving is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. I love the way one commentator uh, writes about this. He says, from a social perspective, these gifts from the, the Philippians demonstrated the friendship. It demonstrated their friendship by amply supplying all that Paul needed. But he goes on, from a theological perspective, these gifts demonstrated the faith of the Philippians by pleasing God as true sacrifices. The social act of friendship is a religious act of worship. As we give, uh, as we give to, to others, believing in God, and, uh, and it really we give first to the Lord. And as we do so, our acts of giving, which kind of are, in one sense, in one level, are simple acts of friendship and kindness to those around them. They're lifted to the highest level. They're lifted to acts of worship. They're lifted to these, uh, these acts that please God. And I did, I've just spent some time this week lingering on this word, to please God. Isn't something in your heart just warm to that phrase? Don't you want to please God? And there's something we need to understand in that because as, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you live moment by moment, day by day with the, the unchanging love of God upon your life and the acceptance of God upon your life and, and God's delight upon you in who you are, in who he has made you to be as sons and daughters. And yet, 
We can also please him or grieve him by what we do or don't do. And at first, this kind of might seem a little bit kind of confusing. Is there a contradiction here? But I don't think there is. If you think about it in the natural, children thrive knowing their parents' unconditional love and delight and affirmation and acceptance of them. There's kind of no caveats. That's just the way it is because of who they are, sons and daughters. And yet in that context, in that healthy kind of context of being brought up, there's something in a child that wants to please its parents. I'm aware there are other things going on as well. We're, we're fallen people, aren't we, all of us? And they're, they're kind of other, there's another dynamic going on. But actually, that's still there. That's still there. It's something that God has put into us as, uh, as we grow up, that we want to we please our parents. And it, if we don't know our parents' unconditional love and, and support, that whole thing gets very twisted and, and horrible, and there's no joy to be found in it. But if you know your parents' unconditional love and acceptance, there's something joy-filled about what, what, what pleases them, what brings a smile to their face. You see, children have got no way of knowing what is right, what is wrong, um, what's going to lead to disaster, and what's going to bring wonderful fruit. They don't know how to live necessarily. They can't see the long-term effects of their actions. But what they can see is their, the, the look on their parents' faces, and they're attuned to that. And as they do something that delights their parents, that is a, that is a, 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 that is a clue to them about something being good or something being bad, something being meaningful, or something being meaningless, something being constructive, or something being destructive. Whether they know it or not, they're, they're, they're attuned to that. And you, as a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, are attuned to look at the face of God and see, I want to please him. I want to please my heavenly Father by what I do. And of course, we can enjoy God's wonderful love upon us every day, moment by moment, because we're in Christ and the, 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 the love that falls on us, the delight that falls on us, is the delight that God pours out upon his son. We're in Christ by faith. Never, never kind of forget that. And yet there's something in us that lives to please God, that would see the delight on his face. And also we're grieved when we grieve God. We experience these things, and this is the way that God has made us to be. And so it is with our generous giving. As we give generously, there's something of the joy that we experience in joining with God's joy in his generous giving. There's meaning, there's purpose in our giving. And finally now, coming to verse 19, we give knowing that God will meet our needs. We give knowing that God will meet our needs. What does he say in verse 19? My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm, I don't have a fear of heights. I have a, a, a slight concern of heights, let's say. And uh, there's something that, that's been built into my body where if I get above a certain height, my limbs kind of turn to rubber. The bones kind of rubberize. I don't know if you've experienced that. And that's just really helpful. That's, a, that's a kind of a, a safety switch that says you can, don't climb any higher. It's very hard to climb when your limbs are made of rubber. It just, you just you sort of flail around like that. You don't, don't get anywhere. Well, it makes a difference when there's a rope attached to me. And when someone is holding the rope, I can climb higher. I can enjoy climbing if I know that someone's got the rope. And that if I fall, and I remember falling off this climbing wall, and, oh, I, I didn't get squashed at the bottom. I could climb a little bit. In fact, they wouldn't let me down, actually, until I climbed to the top. So I kind of had to. But, they, but I was kind of beginning to enjoy it a little bit because there was a, there was a, a safety rope attached to me. And I want to say to us that God has got our safety rope as we give. As we give, he will meet every need of ours in Christ Jesus. 
He has got our safety rope. And sometimes, of course, that will be financial. Sometimes we will give and God will, will replace and give us finances as we kind of give, our, give away our money. But it could be in all sorts of other ways as well. It's not necessarily fi- financial. That financial is a, is a kind of a small part of our life in many ways and represents a small aspect of our, our needs. The principle here is that we give knowing that God will provide for us in all the ways that we need it in Christ Jesus, even as he has supremely supplied for our need in sending Jesus to die for our sin. This was the point of our greatest need. It was our sin, our moral failure before God that cut us off from God, and God gave his son. When we were still enemies, he gave his son. How much more will he not give us all things so we can give knowing that God will meet our needs, that we won't go short? Jesus says, do not worry saying, what you shall eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Worry is one of the greatest joy killers. I don't know if you've experienced that. I've certainly experienced that in my life. It kills joy. And contrary to what we might expect in the light of what we've been looking at here in God's word, generous giving can actually reduce our money worries. It can reduce them. Kind of ironically, this is the way it works. As we learn to give, trusting in the Lord, trusting in his provision for us day by day, that as we seek first the kingdom of God, he will give us everything that we need. And this is the way to freedom from worry about money. We, th- we might think instinctively that hoarding would be the way to, 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 to reduce our anxiety. But no, Jesus lets us into a secret. Give, seek the kingdom of God, and trust your heavenly Father to provide for your needs. And worry will melt away as we trust in him. He's he's provided for us in our biggest need. He will provide for our every need. Giving is enjoyable because God enjoys giving. And he wants to fill the earth with his image bearers who are giving generously. People who share in his joy of giving. Giving out of obligation or fear or to impress people. It's, It's just not what God wants. It doesn't, it doesn't fulfill our purpose, and it doesn't represent God because God gives joyfully, freely, lovingly, and he releases us and resources us to do the same. If I can ask the band to come back uh, now. Um, uh, should we, we'll, I think we might, we'll go into, into just a short time of worship after this. I want to pray for us right now. I'm going to say, Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for... For, for Jesus, we thank you that you gave yourself so wholeheartedly to us in the person of your Son. We thank you for meeting our deepest need, our need for forgiveness and reconciliation with you. We pray right now that you would fill us with your joy in giving. Lord, we want to share in your joy. Would you free us up, even as you give to us, you, you purposely give to us in order that they, we would be resourced to give, to be part of your generous giving to others. We ask that we would, we would be part of your wonderful plan to cover the earth in your glory with image bearers who are giving like you gave. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for your glory. When Paul describes the surprising generosity of the poverty-stricken um, Macedonian believers, he said they gave themselves first to the Lord 
and then to us. And generous, joy-filled giving, it starts with giving ourselves to the Lord. And so we're going to do that right now. We're going to give ourselves to the Lord in worship and really focus and receive his generous giving to us and his grace to us in the person of Jesus. So let's worship together.